Welcome to the Council of Institutional Investors podcast on corporate governance and capital markets regulation. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. The purpose of these monthly episodes is to update CII members and the general public on significant developments in U.S. corporate governance and capital markets regulation and CII's related advocacy activities. This update covers the period from January 4th, 2023 to February 2nd, 2023. The following is my top 10 list of events over that period. Number 10, on January 4th, the Delaware Court of Chancery denied a motion to dismiss a complaint brought by a special purpose acquisition corporation shareholder against the SPAC sponsor and its directors in Delman vs. Gig Acquisitions 3. The court rejected the defendant's arguments. The plaintiff's claims were derivative or impermissible and found that the sponsor controlled the SPAC through its unrivaled authority over the SPAC's business affairs. The decision also held that the SPAC's proxy statement was materially false and misleading. And even if the statement had been adequate, the SPAC's structure rendered the shareholder vote to approve the transaction inconsistent with the principles emanating business judgment review. More broadly, the court noted that typical SPAC provisions, such as the sponsor's compensation structure, the director's connections to the sponsor, and the decoupling of the stockholders' voting and economic interests create a scenario in which the sponsor and the SPAC's directors are incentivized to undertake a value-decreasing transaction. Michael Klausner, one of the lawyers who presented the case for the SPAC shareholder, told Bloomberg that this decision is the first to recognize that the basic structure of SPACs dilutes the value of its shares. Yours truly interviewed Professor Klausner about his research on SPACs for two CII Voice of Corporate Governance podcasts issued on March 31st and January 7th of 2022, respectively. Those episodes are publicly available on all major podcast platforms. Number nine, on January 10th, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission announced the appointment of Christina Martin Fervida as director of the Office of the Investor Advocate, effective January 17, 2023. Number eight, on January 11th, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission announced the appointment of Paul Munter as chief accountant. Number seven, on January 13th, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission announced that Division of Corporation Finance Director Renee Jones will depart the commission effective February 3rd, 2023. Eric Gerding, currently the division's deputy director, will be appointed director of the division effective upon Ms. Jones' departure. Number six, on January 12th, House Financial Services Committee Chairman Patrick T. McHenry of North Carolina announced the panel's Republican subcommittee leadership for the 118th Congress. Representative Van Wagner of Missouri will serve as chairman of the Subcommittee on Capital Markets. Representative Andy Barr of Kentucky will lead the Subcommittee on Financial Institutions and Monetary Policy. Representative Warren Davidson of Ohio will serve as the chairman of the Subcommittee on Housing and Insurance. Representative Bill Heisinga of Michigan will lead the Subcommittee on Oversight and Investigation. Representative Blaine Lukenmeyer of Missouri will be the chairman of the Subcommittee on National Security, Illicit Finance, and International Financial Institutions. 
and Representative French Hill of Arkansas will chair the newly formed Subcommittee on Digital Assets, Financial Technology, and Inclusion. Number five, in a January 19th letter to the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, CIHLE supports many of the PCOB's proposed amendments on quality control, recommends that the proposal includes several improvements, including the following three items. Number one, that firms issuing auditor reports from more than 100 companies establish an entirely independent quality control committee of their board, both of at least three individuals, and the firm publicly reports at least annually on how the committee carries out its responsibilities. Number two, that the proposed monitoring and remediation process be revised to provide for use of quantitative performance measures. And number three, that public reporting regarding quality control matters be made mandatory. CI's letter also suggests other changes to the proposed amendments language to better ensure that quality control systems include at a minimum three additional elements. Number one, responsiveness to investors' needs. Two, be designed for investor accountability. And three, promoting ethical behavior. Number four, on January 25th, Senators Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, Ron Wyden of Oregon, sent a letter to Public Company Accounting Oversight Board Chair Erica Williams, expressing concern about the role that auditors may have played in misleading the public about the financial soundness and safety of crypto companies. Observing that the PCO's mission is to regulate the audits of public companies and SEC registered brokers and dealers in order to protect investors and further the public interest in the preparation of informative, accurate, and independent auditor reports, the senators contend that some crypto firms arguably should fall within the PCOB's jurisdiction, given the SEC's position that companies performing broker-dealer functions in the crypto market should be registered as broker-dealers. Accordingly, the senators urged the PCOB to maintain its rigorous standards for audit firms and request information on, among other topics, the following two items. One, whether the PCOB restricts PCOB-registered auditors from publicly praising or endorsing the companies they provide services to. And two, whether the PCOB has the authority to strip auditors of their PCAOB-registered status if they provide services or engage in conduct that falls short of PCOB standards and rules, even if those actions are taken in relation to private, non-SEC-registered companies. Number three, on January 19th, five Senate Republicans sent a letter to U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler expressing concern that the commission has not yet conducted a comprehensive cost-benefit study of its four recently issued equity market reform proposals that they argue may discourage, not encourage, the type of competition and innovation that has revolutionized markets and benefited investors. In particular, the senators note that the commission has yet to release a detailed analysis of its proposal to establish an auction process for many equity market orders, nor elaborated on how this new regulation, which would require companies to build onerous and technologically difficult systems, would increase market competition. The senators also argue that the SEC's proposed market structure reforms do not seem to adequately contemplate the dynamic nature of increasing numerous regulatory burdens and the likely reintroduction of trading fees or other disruptions that would hurt investor access. 
observing that Regulation NMS was formally proposed after months of public engagement, public-private dialogue, concept releases, and stakeholder feedback. And after its release, the Commission continued public engagement through public roundtables and a subsequent follow-on comment period. The senators contend that in light of the potential impact of these rules, the unprecedented lack of input from stakeholders is alarming. Accordingly, the senators urge the SEC against pursuing any changes to the existing ecosystem without a thorough data collection process, careful consideration of retail investor input, and the public release of extensive and detailed analysis of the impacts these rules would entail. Further, given the harm that these untested and complex revisions to equity market structure rules could pose to retail investors in the U.S. economy, the senators request information on, among other topics, the following two items. Number one, whether the SEC has conducted any other analysis or collected data that would support the specific claims made in the proposed rulemaking regarding hidden costs and conflicts of interest associated with order routing revenue. And two, why the commission has not conducted a comprehensive cost-benefit study of the four combined rules. CI staff is currently reviewing the four proposals and expects to comment on one or more of the proposals prior to the March 31 comment deadline. Number two, in a January 10th speech, Federal Reserve Board Chair Jerome H. Powell discussed climate-related financial risk, noting that absent explicit congressional legislation, it would be inappropriate for the Federal Reserve Board to use its monetary policy or supervisory tools to promote a greener economy or to achieve other climate-based goals. Chair Powell added that the Federal Reserve is not and will not be a climate policy maker. Observing that efforts to address climate change seem likely to require policies that would have significant distributional and other effects on companies, industries, regions, and nations, Chair Powell argued that decisions about policies to directly address climate change should be made by the elected branches of government and thus reflect the public's will as expressed through elections. Nevertheless, Chair Powell emphasized that in his view, the Federal Reserve Board does have narrow but important responsibilities regarding climate-related financial risks that are tightly linked to its responsibilities for bank supervision, arguing that the public reasonably expects supervisors require that banks understand and appropriately manage their material risks, including the financial risks of climate change. And the number one most significant development in U.S. corporate governance, capital market regulation, for the period from January 4th to February 2nd occurred way back on January 4th, when the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission released an updated regulatory agenda. The agenda includes the following aspirational timelines for the adoption of six final rules for which CII has submitted comment letters. Number one, adoption of a final rule on climate change disclosure, expected April 2023. Number two, adoption of a final rule on cybersecurity risk, governance, and disclosure, expected April 2023. Number three, Adoption of a final rule on share repurchase disclosure, expected April 2023. Number four, adoption of a final rule on modernization of beneficial ownership reporting, expected April 2023. 
Number five, adoption of a final rule on special purpose acquisition company, expected April 2023. And number six, adoption of a final rule on amendments to Rule 14A8, expected October 2023. The agenda also provides the following aspirational timelines for the issuance of proposals for public comment, including the following two proposals for which CI currently plans to submit comment letters. Number one, issuance of a proposed rule on human capital management disclosure, expected April 2023. Number two, issuance of a proposed rule on corporate board diversity disclosure, expected October 2023. That completes my monthly U.S. Corporate Governance Capital Markets Update. Questions regarding any of the issues discussed, please feel free to email me at jeff, J-E-F-F, at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Until next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.